Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. If you have, a, if you have your actual Bible with you, let's turn uh, into the New Testament. I'm going to go to the book of John, chapter 4. Uh, John's in the New Testament. Uh, it's one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So it's the fourth book in the New Testament. Uh, if, you're, if you're new to this whole church thing or Jesus thing, you're still not sure, uh, one of the things that we say, and we say it because we believe it, is that Convo Church is a place where you can absolutely belong even if you don't yet believe. Uh, we don't expect people, to, we don't check people before they come in and make sure, all right, how much Bible do you know? Do you have a Bible? Are you a Christian? Are you perfect? Okay. As a matter of fact, the minute I walked in the door this morning, we lost the ability to have a perfect church. I just want to let you know that. Take the pressure off. Uh, this isn't a perfect church. It never will be. But we love a perfect God who perfectly loves us. And I think that's a good place to start. Amen. Thank you. And uh, you'll also find out that this is a place where I love it when you talk back to me. I love it when you talk back to me. So when I'm saying stuff, if you hear something that you like or even halfway like, you can say amen. You can say mm-hmm. You can say that's good. If you stand up and point at me, I can't tell you how excited I'm going to be about that. <laughs> one day, one day, I'm going to have somebody up here. They're going to have a B3 organ going behind me. I'm just giving you fair warning that in the future, at some point in time, that may happen. But it's all to help me communicate the word, the word better. We'll see how it goes. And if it doesn't work out, then I won't make him do it anymore. Anyway, so, so we're in John chapter 4. Uh, we go to the Bible because we believe that uh, the Bible is the word of God. Uh, we believe wholeheartedly that it is uh, the inerrant word of God. This is how God, for the most part, speaks to humanity. Uh, he also speaks through his Holy Spirit. I've also had people tell me from time to time that the Holy Spirit told them something that was uh, contrary to what was in here. And you'll, you'll be happy to know that God never contradicts himself in how he speaks to people. And so if you feel like God is speaking something to you, either look it up or have somebody help you confirm that in Scripture. Because then that will give you greater confirmation that, yes, wow, God is speaking to me. That is something. Okay, awesome. Uh, if it's not, then it's time to go back to the drawing board, ask for some counsel, pray some more. It's okay. You wouldn't be the first person, me neither, that thought you heard God say something and maybe it was off, maybe it was on. But it's okay. You keep going. You keep going. So we go to the Word so that I don't just get up and talk and, uh, and just ramble about stuff and just say, well, you can just take my word for it because I have a microphone I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to take notes. I want you to write in, you know, on the, the notes app in your phone or write it down on, on a, in a journal. And even during the week, the reason why we do that is because, I don't know about you, my brain's not smart enough to remember everything that God does in this moment. So I like to go back during the week, go over the word, go over the notes, and, and pray some more and be like, God, what are, you, what are you trying to tell me? What are you trying to show me? How can I grow? How can I grow as a follower of Jesus Christ? So, all right, are you, are you there? Last week we... Um, in John chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 10. Last week, we, uh, we started a series that if you've seen any of our promotional stuff uh, leading up to our launch and uh, seen stuff on Facebook, uh, or even if somebody uh, invited you through one of those postcards on the front, it says, there is more. Um, actually, I think it posed a question, is there more? Uh, one of the things that we've been finding as we've talked to so many people around our city is that it doesn't matter where they find themselves, whether it's on top of the world, you know, maybe everything is going fantastic. Everything is going amazing for you. Or on the opposite spectrum, we've talked to people that feel like they are literally scraping the bottom of the barrel. You know, they don't even know how to get back up again. And so we say that no matter whether you're on top or whether you're at the bottom, we believe 
completely that there is more for your life. There absolutely is more for your life. You haven't, you haven't maxed out and you aren't done. God's not done. There is more for your life. And so last week we started in John chapter 4 with this encounter that Jesus was having, uh, a very unlikely encounter with a woman in a place called Samaria. Samaria was, if you, if you do some study and research, was uh, a region within Israel that where the, most of the population um, was made of people who were uh, at least half Jewish and then half from other, other ethnicities, other religions, other belief systems. And so at the time, there was some significant prejudice going on in this environment because people who were completely Jewish would have absolutely nothing to do with the individuals that lived in this community. And it was unfortunate. So Jesus was, if you didn't know this, Jesus wasn't white. Uh, he didn't have blonde hair, blue eyes. It didn't happen. Uh, he, was, he was a Middle Eastern. He had dark skin. It was beautiful. And so he was a Jew. And so it says that in verse 4, he had to go through Samaria to get to where he wanted to go. Well, the reality was he did not have to. Because Jews did not do that. They would literally go hours, if not a day's travel, out of their way so that they wouldn't have to go through what they considered to be defiled territory. But Jesus said, no, I had to go through. Well, why did he have to go through? Because there was somebody there that needed him. There was somebody there that needed him. So in week one of There Is More, the series that we're doing, we talked about how it all starts with the convo. It all starts with a conversation. Jesus positioned himself in the, in the journey, the day-to-day -day journey of where this woman would go, knowing that he would have that encounter with her, knowing that it would be a, a conversation starter that would literally change the trajectory of her life. And we kind of stopped on a little bit of a cliffhanger uh, because we never got into the actual conversation of what was happening between Jesus and this woman. So that's where I want to pick it up today. And uh, we're going to start in verse 10. And in verse 10 it says, Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you were speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. Somebody say rope or bucket. You don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. So where would you get this living water? And besides, you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals? And it must have been really good water because she's really high on this water. Verse 13, Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this, this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. So you can kind of see a little bit of a, a shift in the conversations taking place. It started off with Jesus saying, uh, hey, can you give me some water? Okay, how are you going to get water? You don't have a rope, you don't have a bucket. Well, uh, if you know who I was, then I would, you would ask me for water. And I would, she's like, how are you going to ask for water? You're asking me for water? What's happening? And now he's kind of talking. He's like, okay, maybe this is not about water. Maybe it's possible that the conversation that Jesus is having with this woman is not about water. So in verse 15, she says, please, sir, uh, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here and get water. This is where the conversation takes a significant turn. And uh, this, is, this is where it gets a little Jerry Springer on us. Okay, verse 16. <laughs> Jesus told her, well, go and get your husband. I, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man that you're living with right now. Certainly you spoke the truth. Can, you just, can we just go ahead and call the elephant in the room? This has to be one of the most awkward moments possible. Like, I don't know if there was a long, awkward pause after he said that. 
if there was, you know, prolonged eye contact that you couldn't look away from. We don't, we don't even know what happened. All we know is that this just escalated from a conversation about, can I have water? Well, actually, you need to ask me for water, to Jesus basically revealing that he knows everything about her life. It gets, it gets, it gets interesting. Sir, the, <laughs> sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place to worship while we Samaritans claim it is Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worship? And then Jesus goes on to tell her that, hey, guess what? You thought it was about where you're supposed to worship and they worship over here and you worship over there and this is your style and this is your preference and that's their opinion and this is the way you think you should dress and that's the way they think you should dress. And all of a sudden Jesus says, you know what? None of that really matters anymore because all that really matters is that God is looking for people who will worship God in spirit and in truth. All the other stuff, all the other labels that we create, all the other things that we make to try to make people fit into boxes and try to gather people that are just like us and look just like us and talk just like us. I'm telling you, if, if, we, if we build a church that looks and acts and is just like me, then I have failed to lead this church. Our church needs to represent what our city looks like. Our church needs to look like and sound like what our region looks like. Because that's what the church should be. There's no more, this isn't even on my message, but I'm just going with it. There are no more segregated days in our nation than on Sunday morning. And that has got to stop because it is no more beautiful than when the people that are represented in the city are able to gather together with their differences. Whether they look different, sound different, talk different, act different, dress different, it doesn't even matter. If we can gather together under the unified name of Jesus Christ, our differences actually become beautiful as we come together and create a beautiful collage of what God has created in our city. Jesus starts telling her that religion's pointless. It's all about having a relationship with the Father. So this woman goes on, she has, says in, in verse 25, I know the Messiah is coming. And so you can tell, like, this, this isn't an, a foreign concept to her. She's, she's done some study. She's been taught some things, you know, from a religious background. She's, she's even been taught who the Messiah could be. She says, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called the Christ. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then right here, the kind of the climax of, of where we're going today, Jesus says to her, I am the Messiah. Other translation says, I am the one that you've been looking for. And it all started with the conversation. So if you're taking notes, the, the, the title of what I'm talking about today is called Ropes, Religion, and Revelation. Ropes, Religion, and Revelation. Can you actually just repeat that to me? Say ropes, religion, revelation. Three components of the conversation that we just saw that I think for us today, if we, if we kind of get a hold of it, could possibly change everything. Ropes, religion, and revelation. The whole basis of uh, kind of this concept of there is more comes from a scripture that we've been using. Uh, it's in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. I'm going to read it to you. And this is one of those verses that don't just read it and then blow past it because God really is trying to grab our attention with some pretty outrageous statements in this particular passage. It says, never doubt God's mighty power in you, um, sorry, to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. That's incredible. That's one of those verses where either it has to be true 
or it is the most ridiculous thing that we've ever heard in our life. That God will do, can we actually, let's go back to the beginning of that. Let's read this, if we will. I don't do this a lot, but I'm doing it now. Let's read this together. If you can see it, it says, just read with me. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceeds your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. That's incredible. That's incredible. It takes a step of faith to believe this. It really does. Even if the, the step that you're on right now might be like zero, He's like, where's your skill level? Ten, one to ten, zero? I don't know, what's the beginning? It's okay, we gotta start somewhere, but it does take faith to believe that where you are right now is not the finish point. Where your life is right now, however great or maybe however struggling you think it is, this is not the end, that God has more for you. And so, and that's what our goal is throughout this process. You know, Jesus even tells us in uh, John 10, 10, he says, these are his words. He goes, I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. Now, all these things sound great. Like, that could be very easy to turn this into some, like, you know, feel good, hype message. You know, God's, I'm just going to feel good all the time. This isn't about feelings. This isn't about feelings at all. This is about why you were created. This is about you not necessarily having a different situation, but having a different outcome, having a different perspective of where you are, realizing that you're not where you are because God doesn't like you. You're where you are for many different reasons, but God wants you to know that there is more. See, Jesus came to this woman because she could not fathom getting to where God had created her to be. And Jesus decides in this moment to completely just call things as they were. And he says, hey, hey, go get your husband. Jesus knew that she did not currently have a husband. He wasn't trying to embarrass her, but he was trying to, 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 to make a revelation known that had not yet happened. Jesus showed up in her life to close the gap between where she was and where God wanted to get her. Because the reality is none of us have it on our own to actually pull that off. And for those of us that think that we can, because we're just, we're just gonna work harder. I'm a hard worker, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm just gonna work harder, I'm just gonna grind harder, I'm just gonna make it happen. We actually are the ones that are more dangerous than the ones that feel stuck and don't do anything because we create a greater wedge between where we are and where God wants us to be because we've made it about ourselves instead of making it about God. In order for us to receive the more that God has for us, uh, we all have things in our life that we currently need to let go of and get rid of. We just do, it's just a part of the revelation. But in reality, it's hard to embrace what God wants to give you when our hands are currently filled with everything else that we have. It's like sometimes you gotta put something down so you can grab something else, right? Number one, put down the rope. There's that rope, put down the rope. This woman shows up to the well, she's got a rope, she's got a bucket. Why didn't you say put down the bucket? I'm assuming it's tied to the rope, so I guess figure if she puts down the rope, she probably puts down the bucket too. She's got a rope, she's got a bucket, and it's kind of important if you're trying to get water from a well. Uh, she even asked Jesus, or you know, where's your rope, where's your bucket, because he's wanting to get water. I love how Jesus, he always uses something that we can see to get at something that we can't see. He's always doing that because he meets us where we are. He doesn't try to, you know, he doesn't come like, 50, you know, sort of like, well, just God just wants to meet you halfway. No, I kind of feel like he wants to meet you all the way. I feel like he doesn't want to just, you know, I'll, you know, going 100 yards, Jesus goes to the 50-yard line, just stands there, just waiting for you. Yeah. 
I can't reach you quite yet. Keep it. This is all, the first 50 is on you. Come on. No, I don't, I don't think he does that because if he did that, he never would have gone to the cross. I mean, there is no more going all the way than Jesus going to the cross. There's no greater love than someone laying down their life. It says for their friend, but Jesus went even further because he did it for people that didn't know him. He did it for people who would consider Jesus even an enemy. Cool thing is Jesus doesn't have any enemies. They're like, well, that's not what Facebook says. No, there may be people who seem to be enemies positioned that way. Jesus doesn't see them that way. It's easy for Jesus to say things like, love your neighbor and pray for those who persecute you because in Jesus' eyes, as he sees humanity, everyone is his neighbor. Everyone is somebody that he loves. Everyone is a child of God. Anyway, that's on the side. Jesus always positions himself in the way of something that we think we need in order to show us what we really need. This woman thought that she just needs water. There's a good chance she probably went there four or five times a day. I don't know how big this bucket was, but I doubt it was, you know, 100 gallons for all the needs for the day. So there's probably a good chance that she, you know, brought it up a few times, took it home, did what she needed to do, come back later, had to do it. So it's, maybe it was a tiring task, something she was kind of getting tired of. Uh, but Jesus used this rope situation uh, to get to where he was really trying to get to her there. The cool thing is, a little bit further on, you see that after she has this encounter with Jesus, it literally says that she drops her rope. And she runs back to tell everybody about this man that just told her about her entire life. So the first thing is drop the rope. Second thing is this, get rid of religion. Get rid of religion. You're like, well, we're in church, so isn't that, like, what's, isn't that kind of the opposite of what we're doing? No, I don't think so. Because some of the things that, I, that I, uh, I firmly believe is that Christianity, when done the way that Jesus has set it up for us to do it, is not a religion. It's a relationship. It's a relationship. See, religion is when we create things uh, through what makes sense to us, or at least to somebody somewhere, <laughs> about how we get to God, about what we have to do to prove ourselves or to earn God's attention or earn God's favor or, to, or to, you know, to make ourselves right, to get my act together because once I get my stuff together, then I'll come to God. And Jesus was like, no, that's not going to work because you don't have what it takes to get, in a, get to a place where you've earned God's status. Because the Bible tells us there's not a single one of us who is righteous. Like we've all messed it up, all of us. And don't, don't take that as bad news. That's actually really good news because then guess what? The pressure is off of you to have to perform to get God's attention. Religion says perform and work hard and do everything right and try to be a perfect person. And then maybe eventually by the time everything is said and done, you will have earned your way into heaven or whatever that religion talks about as an afterlife. But Jesus says, no, that's not gonna work. There's a penalty that has to be paid for your life and for your sin. There's a penalty that has to be paid. There's blood that has to be shed to make right what you've done wrong. So I'll do that for you. That's what Jesus did. So that's the big difference between pursuing religion versus pursuing a relationship with God. That's what Christianity really is. It's gotten to the point, honestly, where, where people are like, what religion are you, you Christian? I'm like, I don't really know how to answer that question. Um, I'm a follower of Jesus. Because it's a lot easier to explain a follower of Jesus than it is to say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Because there's a lot of people that say they're Christians and then I can't stand to see what they're posting on Facebook. Especially when we get closer to an election cycle. If you're a Christian, you're gonna vote blah, blah, blah. Well, if you're a Christian, you can't vote for blah, blah, blah. I can't find that in my Bible anywhere. Where there are voting regulations are dictated in scripture and how somebody should vote. 
I can't see that for the life of me. But that's what religion does. It continues to stack regulations and it continues to polarize people. Religion separates, it doesn't bring together. But Jesus went to the cross and said, for every man and every woman, for every color, race, and creed, for every economic status, whether you are rich or poor, from the least to the greatest, I'm bringing you all to the cross because that's where it has to start. As a church, we're gonna do our best to go after the people from every spectrum of our society. We're gonna do our best. We're not gonna be perfect at it. We're not gonna make everybody happy. I already had somebody ask me if they're, you know, is, uh, you know, is your service gonna be shorter? And then some uh, send a message, is it gonna be longer? I'm like, you know what, we're just not gonna be able to please everybody, we're just gonna do our best. And, uh, and that's actually something I feel like you can count on. Whatever we do, I don't know what standard it will attain, but it will be our best. And we're gonna do our best to love our city. And we're going to do our best to reach people. We're going to do our best to reach those that are living on the street. We're going to do our best to reach those that are living in the mansion. Because just because you have little or a lot of money doesn't get you any closer to God. It's people, people that do an introduction, whether it's Jesus coming into your life or whether it's other people that Jesus uses to get into your life to say, hey, you know, I just want you to know you're loved. I just want you to know that you are welcome. I just want you to know that God loves you. Because it has to start somewhere. We have to get rid of religion. I love this in Romans, uh, another book in the Bible, uh, the book of Romans chapter two, verse four. It says that, do you realize that all the wealth of his extravagant kindness is meant to melt your heart and lead you to repentance? See, I grew up in an environment where for the most part, we were trying to, uh, we were trying to scare people to Jesus. You ever, <laughs> you ever seen that? You ever seen people that like, they, I really feel like maybe sincerely they wanna see people like come to Jesus, but they feel like the best strategy is to scare them to Jesus. If you don't turn, and then of course everything has to rhyme, then you will burn just enough to make it on a nice you know, poster board that somebody can hold up at a football game or you know, outside of, you know, of a casino because that's what people are wanting to see. That's really gonna inspire people. That's gonna inspire somebody to come and build a relationship with God. No, that's not gonna happen. It says that it's the kindness of God is what actually brings us to a place of wanting to repent. Repent's actually a beautiful word. It's just been hijacked by so many fear mongers that want to scare people into heaven, which it doesn't work, by like, you need to repent, repent, because you're a dirty sinner. Okay, I, I, actually, I actually know I am, but I also know that I'm saved by the grace of God. I'm not saved because I got better. I'm saved because I gave my life to Jesus. And by walking with Jesus, now I get to walk this journey where he shows me how to live the life that he created me to live. The standards that are in the Bible, they're real. The ways that God says, this is how you should live, that's real. There aren't suggestions, but it can't become a checklist. It can't become a religious checklist. Well, okay, all right, today, um, all right, let me pull out my list. All right, all right, don't cuss, don't lust, don't hate, don't, oh, crap, all right, tomorrow. Tomorrow's gonna be a better day. Start the next day. Don't cuss, oh, dang it, already, it's like eight o'clock in the morning. You know, don't get angry with your kids. Oh, man, okay, don't have a fight with your wife. So we, we do that to ourselves, but God's like, you know what? Just, just get up in the morning and just say good morning to me. Say hi to Jesus. Start your day off in a direction. Say, Jesus, man, you know what I got in front of me today? I can't do it. Can you help me out? Can you help a brother out? I got a tough day today. I need some help. And the grace of God is going to be there for those moments. Is it going to be perfect? Probably not. Probably not. But you need to know that that's okay. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to mess up. It's okay to realize that even though you've been fully forgiven of all your sin from before, you're probably gonna sin again at some point in time, maybe before you even leave the parking lot today. 
and that's okay. Just keep coming back to Jesus. That's the thing, like I still sin, but I don't necessarily do what I did 12 years ago. I still have struggles, but I'm not struggling in the same areas that I was a decade ago because I'm growing, I'm progressing. I am a work in progress. And I think somebody here today needs to hear that it is okay to be a work in progress. We gotta let religion die. We gotta get rid of religion because the moment that we fully are able to say no to religion is the moment that we open ourselves up to our third point, which is to receive a revelation. This woman didn't need to know, all right, well, okay, if you're, if you're this prophet, see how she went from like, okay, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman, why are you even talking to me? To clearly you're a prophet, to I think this guy's the Messiah that we've been waiting for. And how did it happen? Did it happen because she figured it out? No. It happened because Jesus revealed himself to her. She put down the rope. She decided to let go of religion, arguing about preference and style and opinion and, and style of music and who should, you know, should a pastor be able to have holes in his jeans or what? She put that down. And in that moment, she was able to receive a revelation of who Jesus really is. And I'm telling you, if we can become a church, if we can become people who are able to get a real picture of who Jesus is, then God will be able to use us to transform our city. I'm telling you, it's, it's almost so simple, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's almost so, so non-complex. They were like, well, how come this hasn't been done before? Well, probably because we're involved. We're people. And so we were like, oh, we got it, we got it, we got it. Hey, squirrel, you know, and we get off to the side and we get distracted or, you know, oh man, I'm feeling great. Jesus loves me. I'm going to live my life for Jesus. I'm going to fulfill my purpose. And all of a sudden your boss yells at you at work and everything goes derailed. Or, or you know, you go home and, and a fight breaks out at home between you and your, and your spouse. And, or your kids show up or you get a, a call from the school and somebody got in a fight. Or, you know, you thought your kids were doing great. Then you got a report card. Not going so great. You know, anything can happen. You know, somebody cuts you off in traffic and you were in the middle of listening to a worship song and all of a sudden... Things began to come out of your mouth that weren't echoing what was happening in the song. I mean, life happens, right? Life happens. But we need to know that regardless of what happens in life, Jesus is still there. He's not jumping off the train just because you screwed up something on the, on the checklist. He's like, you know what, just give me that. Just give me that, give me that checklist. Okay, we're going to. All right, now can we have a revelation of who Jesus is? And that actually helps us get a revelation of who God created us to be. And uh, we're going to talk more about that next week because there's, there's a beautiful, beautiful outcome at the end of the story that we haven't gotten to yet. And uh, it's an outcome that is the product of Jesus showing himself to us, coming to our life, of us having that revelation of who Jesus is and then what the beautiful product is that takes place after that happens. Guys, I'm telling you, Convo Church didn't come here so we could just be another church amongst churches. Man, I'm so excited for the churches that we have in our city. And, uh, and none of them are per perfect, just like us. But there are people that have been, been loving on people in this city for generations and decades that, that are, some of you might even be here because your life was impacted in, in another place or a family member was impacted in another church and it created an opportunity for, for you to even have a desire to wanna show up here. And so we're all working on the same team, hopefully serving the same Jesus, hopefully loving people the same way that Jesus is saying, hey, you need to just watch the way that I love on people. Because it's so cool. When, that, it takes, when we love people the way that Jesus loves them, man, it takes all the pressure off of, of trying to create groups. Well, you know, I really, like, I really like this group of people, but I'm really struggling with this group over here. 
Man, if you are, if you are following Jesus, and maybe you have to reset every single day, because I know sometimes I do, it opens up your heart to be able to say, no, I don't have to have groups because everyone's my neighbor. Everyone's my neighbor, not the person living next to me, not just the person related to me, not just the person that I like to hang out with, but even the person that might rub me the wrong way, I can still look at them with the eyes of Jesus and realize that they are my neighbor. It's so possible. Can I pray for you this morning as we wrap this thing up? Just go ahead and bow your heads, close your eyes. And um, you know what's so cool is that the most important moment of an individual's life um, it doesn't matter how many years it takes, whether somebody's young or whether somebody's later in years, is the moment when they do have that, relation, that revelation of who Jesus is. Because here's the deal. Every single person, every person deserves to know how much God loves them. Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor. Subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on ConvoChurch.com and follow us on social media at Convo Church. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church Podcast.